0: At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Trevor Woods here with SB Nation's Mason Brew. The Michigan Wolverines don't have a football game this week, but the number eight team in the nation is six and zero heading into their bye week. After that bye, they have a game against a struggling Northwestern team who recently lost to the team Michigan just beat. Northwestern lost to Nebraska 56-7, to but then after that, Michigan has a real tough one against the now still undefeated Michigan State Spartans, and the tickets are going crazy and going up right now, so if you're a Michigan fan, I would uh, encourage you to go get them tickets, but we're talking to a good friend of mine up in the press box with me, Frank Gargano. How we doing, my man?
0: I'm, I'm doing good, Trevor. I'm, I'm hanging in there. You know, we all got a bit of a scare uh, this past weekend, so you know, deep breaths, we're exhaling, we're good now.
1: We're yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's one of those things, as long as you're able to go on the road and it was a hostile environment, once again for Michigan, at the start of the fourth quarter, the lights went down at Memorial Stadium in Nebraska, and the ACDC thung, song Thunderstruck played, and Michigan for the second week in a row, instead of flinching right there, they started jumping along with the song just like they did at Wisconsin to the song Jump Around. So, Frank, what are your initial thoughts on the game last week and how that shows something, like Cade McNamara said, that other Michigan teams, and Harbaugh said he believes he was referring to uh, last year's team that went 2-4, and four, but McNamara said some other Michigan teams he's been on would have lost this game.
0: Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about it as I was watching, and we got a great slate of college football games. I, my dad and I were talking about this last night, how awesome you know this past weekend was. I mean, you had, the, you had Texas and Oklahoma, which ended up being a great game. Uh, Penn State and Iowa lived up to the hype, especially for everyone who's a Big Ten football fan. And the narrative leading up, maybe in Detroit Talk Radio and the surrounding area, everyone was a little worried for Michigan against Nebraska being on the road. I mean, I can't remember the last time Nebraska had a meaningful night game. And I just thought to myself, I don't get why everyone's so scared of this team. I mean, Nebraska doesn't have the best record. Uh, There's nothing out there that really scares me outside of Adrian Martinez being a dual threat guy who can beat you with his legs that we haven't really seen Michigan tested all too well on that. But that was the only thing. But as soon as the game started, that's when I started to get like a pit in my stomach. Like, uh, uh, you kind of remember that every game on the road in the big Ten, especially in that environment, it's going to be a dog fight. I mean, This isn't easy just because a team may have a worse record. I mean, just ask Nick Saban in Alabama and what happened against Texas A&M. Identical records. Texas A&M was unranked. Alabama ended up losing that game. Michigan, on the other hand, found a way to win. Uh, And their defense really stepped up, forced that fumble late in the game and kind of sealed the deal, but also had to make a critical stop at the end. I mean, we've heard about it every week. Um, how great this team is, and all the players are, you know, really cheering each other on and giving them pats on the back saying, you know, we don't flinch in any situation. We find a way to win. And you kind of just take it with a grain of salt when that wins against Western Michigan or against Rutgers, uh, teams that really don't have high hopes. But when you do it against Nebraska in that environment, you know, it means a lot, especially when you really take a step back and look at how difficult college football can be. It, it That win meant a lot. It proved it proved a lot to a lot of people. Uh, I, there's still a lot bigger matchups to go, and we'll talk about those down the road too. But, you know, it was a great win. You have to be happy with it. Uh, there, this isn't one of those wins where you look and go, man, what a scare, and he was like, no, what a, what a win. You proved a lot. You guys dug deep and came up with big stops when you needed to and some big plays down the road. Um, If I could sum up Michigan football right now, it's hopeful. Even more so after that one.
1: I agree with that. And to your point a couple minutes back, just you said some people are unfair to Michigan or you know, or even mad after a win on the road against a Nebraska team who competed against Oklahoma this year. Narrowly lost that one. Narrowly lost to an undefeated Michigan State. So this is a decent Nebraska team that is a bit better than the record may indicate. They could easily have a winning record right now and on the verge of bowl contention. To your point uh, once more, the Baltimore Ravens last night against the Colts. The Ravens were down in this game late, 25 to 9, and Lamar Jackson just snapped in a positive way. He was not playing all that well beforehand, had a turnover, and things weren't going right for the Ravens. But the Ravens, they come out and they won in a really exciting game. They won 31 to 25 and improved to 4 and 1, and it was against a 1 and 4 Colts team. My point, Frank, is in the NFL, I believe people. Are just happy fans in general, and especially the team. It doesn't matter. They always say it, all 32 NFL teams are good. Forget about the record. Yeah. And you're sure. happy. You're happy to get out with an ugly win. Ugly wins in college football, it seems to me, is fans want them to be pretty wins, blowout wins, and that's just not the reality of football. Uh, would you agree with me, or uh, am, am I on the right track here?
0: No, you're definitely on the right track. I think you said it best with the NFL. I mean, the Lions, let's take the Lions, for example, who have no talent whatsoever on their roster, uh, have lost twice now on field goals as time expires. And these are teams that you expect to be blown out. We're talking double-digit spreads, which in the NFL really does not happen all that much. And they're still competing. Um, The parity in the NFL is a lot bigger, so I think I think people look at programs like Michigan, they look at Ohio State, they look at Alabama, and the thought process is always, Michigan should never lose to Rutgers, it should never lose to Nebraska, it should never lose to Northwestern, so on and so forth. Um, And it's just an archaic way of thinking with how You know, these are are 18 to 22, 23-year-old kids out there playing football. In hostile environments, it's still football, just like the NFL. Injuries happen, fluke plays happen. Uh, you go into a hostile environment like that in Lincoln, and the crowd's pumped up, and maybe you don't hear a play call. Maybe an offensive lineman—it's so loud you can't hear um, a coverage audible or a bump. And it's—it's it's as simple as that. It—that it, can—that can change the, out the landscape of the game. So. As fans, I I think this was a nice, humbling reminder to all of us that no conference win is truly easy, especially on the road. So it, it was a huge win for them.
1: Especially on the road. And let's shift gears here and talk about Michigan's quarterback situation, which I continue to stress at the moment is not a quarterback competition. I think it more falls along the lines of a quarterback luxury You have a guy in Cade McNamara who he's only thrown one interception on the year. He's very careful with the football. He, I believe, only has one sack on the year in the game against Nebraska. McNamara, he did make some clutch plays to convert on third. He had a willingness to throw the ball down the field. He's not just a check-down quarterback quarterback game manager. McNamara was taking shots. Of course, he did not land all of them. It seems his accuracy needs to get a little better on them deeper throws, but it also doesn't seem like he's that far off. And then you have behind him, you have true freshman five-star J.J. McCarthy, who's made a couple bombs for touchdowns to Dalen Baldwin this year. Obviously, McCarthy, he has uh, faster wheels than McNamara. He's a taller guy. He just really can get to the edge in a hurry. Runs a bit like a deer. And a lot of fans want to see him more as well. And Jim Harbaugh, he's not backing away from the idea of playing McCarthy more. He continues to say, hey, we want to get him in more. And to me, my opinion on the matter is this is the best of both worlds. You have a guy McNamara who continues to win football games when he's out there. And then there's a guy behind him that continues to show promise, continues to show glimpses of that high ceiling we all heard about. And Uh my point is, if we continue to see this throughout the season, if there's a game where McNamara starts not playing well in it even, they can throw McCarthy in, and then they can even insert McNamara in the next week if need be to where it doesn't need to be a controversy the players, the offense, the team as a whole are used to these two guys being on the field. So to uh, ask the question once again is, just what do you think about the quarterbacks?
0: Um, here's what I'll say, and if there's one thing anybody takes away from this, I want to be very clear about this point. Being a great quarterback is not all about skill and raw talent. I think that especially as you get further up in the ranks of playing, whether it be college or pros, Sometimes the difference between a starter and someone who's a second string in the NFL is who's going to make the right decision when things go poorly. Uh, what you have in Cade McNamara is a guy who doesn't make a lot of mistakes, who will throw the ball away, live to fight another play. And right now, on both sides of the ball, we can talk about the defense later too, um, you're seeing fundamentally sound, mistake-free football. When you're dealing with college kids that's very rare to come by and the, I mean I've been in the press box since midway through the 2017 season and this is the most disciplined I've seen a Michigan team especially on offense. Um, Kate McNamara is very aware well of what his talents are and what they are not. Uh, what they're not is running read option Uh, scrambling all over the place trying to make a Herculean throw across the field like we saw J.J. McCarthy do against, I believe it was Western Michigan, where the press box was dazzled, but at the same time you look at it and go, okay, if that kid throws that ball against Ohio State or Penn State, that one's going back the other way for six. It was a great throw in that game. Was it the best decision to make against maybe a more talented defensive back? Absolutely not. Cade Cade would have thrown that ball away, lived to fight another play. He's the guy who's going to march you down the field, and he's gotten the win. So I don't think there's really much of a controversy. I think right now what you have is a split fan base. You have, and everybody's looking ahead towards those games where you're going against Ohio State where maybe you're outmatched in terms of talent. So some people are looking at that matchup down the road going, okay, I'm going to need a quarterback that can be Superman out there if we're going to have any chance to win this game. Um, And there's other people with the philosophy saying, if we play the cleanest game and play mistake-free football, that's the only way we're going to beat Ohio State. So I think it's a very divided fan base, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer right now. Um, If you were to ask me, and we don't get to see practice, there's probably, you know, J.J. McCarthy's a true freshman. He's probably making rookie mistakes and freshman mistakes, if you want to put it that way, in practice, and that's all about decision-making. Right now, you get Kate McNamara, who's a great decision-maker. Personally, I lean on that side of the fence. If you're going out there and playing mistake-free football, um, I'd take that any day.
1: Yeah, and like you said, like I said, not a quarterback competition. But what Harbaugh is doing, I got to give him credit because McCarthy, no matter what, he needs snaps. Uh, if Michigan wants to get to where they want to be, if McNamara gets hurt, you can't have a five star freshman who didn't have any experience. So that's been promising. And obviously, what's been promising is McCarthy hasn't sucked on the field. No, he, he hasn't. Yeah. I want to make that very yeah. clear. I
0: don't think he's sucked in any way. No, before. of course not. I would like to see. And I saw other people say this too, so I think most of us in the media department are on the same page. Where if we're seeing McCarthy out there, we don't want to see him use how he was used so much against Nebraska. Where it was okay, they're bringing out McCarthy. That means it's going to be a read option. Everybody zone in. They're probably not going
1: to throw the ball. I'm glad. I'm glad America's you. I'm glad you brought that up, Frank. Uh, the last play McCarthy was in, uh, the last field goal, Michigan made it. I believe it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like a third and six. And uh, it, so McCarthy had it. And I was really hoping that the Michigan offense was going to go Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid there in the sense of, okay, well, obviously they're going to run the ball here. You know, it's third and six. This McCarthy, he has ran the ball each time. I really wish they let him let it rip there or give him give him a safe option to throw the ball to, right, uh, still in bounce. Uh, but that didn't happen. So uh, I'm going to let you continue with your thought, but I, I agree with you. I would like to see it be a little more balanced run pass ratio when he's out there.
0: Right, and I even tweeted out at some point during the game, and I think it was one of McNamara, I think you said it best, where he took shots downfield, he was just off by inches. It was really frustrating. I was like, let Kate rip. You're down right now. But let him throw. I mean, mix it up. In that last series, if they would have thrown Kate out there on first down, then as a defense, you have to prepare for everything. Is that first one going to be a read option or an RPO scheme? Probably. But then you've got to prepare for second down. And then you've got to prepare for third down. You're not going to get the same look every single time from a defense, and you're guessing a lot more. But to put J.J. McCarthy out there on third and six, everybody in the whole stadium and at home knew what we were going to see. And it's tough. I I can't say that I would do a better job of calling plays in that situation. I think Josh Gaddis did a fairly good job at play calling against Nebraska. Uh, Again, you get the win, you get the benefit of the doubt in all facets of that. Um, But I, I would just like to see J.J. let it rip more. And I think you know, Part of that is us just salivating of wanting to see what this kid can do, but also to keep the defense on their toes.
1: We're just trying to help them out, man. We can help them out too, right. and they can help us. But <laughs> um, Now let's talk about that defense, because that defense wasn't too good a year ago under Dr. Blitz. A real fun guy to be around, but uh, last year wasn't a fun on the field, and Don Brown is gone. Mike McDonald, the Ravens linebacker's coach, became Michigan's defensive coordinator and to me this is the best the defense looked since 2016 right now. Michigan is six or they are 23rd in total defense and they've played fairly balanced on defense. They rank 39th against the run. They rank 28th in passing yards allowed. Those numbers aren't flashy by any means, but they've gotten the job done. Uh, against Nebraska when push came to shove the last couple drives. Of course, they didn't have their best game against Nebraska. Adrian Martinez was lights out in the second half on all his play-action pass attempts, and he beat him a bit with his wheels as well. But the bottom line is when Michigan really needed their defense to step up, they got a fumble recovery, and then they got a turnover on downs at the end of the game. So... Not just about this game, Frank, but overall, what have you liked from that side of the ball and what McDonald has been able to do schematically and just energy-wise to flip the page to a more positive one? Oh, man. I
0: mean, Trevor, we all saw last year, uh, it was just, it was hopeless, honestly. And I I think that's why I used the word hopeful when we began this. Um, God... You didn't know what to expect from the defense. I I think you prepared for the worst. Um, I think we all came in here. At least me, myself, uh, I went in that first game going, I don't know what we're going to see from the defense. I know Daxon Hill's going to be good, and I know Aiden Hutchinson's going to be an absolute monster, which and that all turned out to be true. What I didn't expect was how well Brad Hawkins has done. I didn't expect Josh Ross. I mean, Josh Ross has 40 total tackles on the team. Next closest is Daxon Hill with 29. Um, You know, uh, David Ochavo uh, just going out there and wreaking havoc, especially a defensive player of the week against Wisconsin. Uh, To be a great defensive unit, you need depth. You need guys flying all over the place. Not one guy is going to get it done. Not two guys are going to get it done. You need to be playing very well all over the place. Uh, Like I said, against Nebraska, first time really against a scrambling quarterback, a guy who can beat you with the legs. Did they do all that great in the second half? No, they let up a ton of touchdowns. But at the same time, when it came to crunch time, they also came up up with the big play at the end. So the team didn't flinch. And I think that's something – it's been like a broken record as we go into Chrysler Center is – Coach is saying, hey, we didn't flinch. Players are saying, hey, we didn't flinch. We saw that on the road against Nebraska when you really needed a stop, and they came up with a turnover. So I think the defense has been very, very, very much a pleasant surprise.
1: Now, obviously the second half of the season for Michigan doesn't get any easier. Have to play at Penn State, at Michigan State, than Indiana. They're never easy no matter what, when they play Michigan in recent memory. And Maryland, they're looking a little more suspect these days, but at least three really tough ones in at Michigan State, at Penn State, and home versus Ohio State. What have you seen from this defense that you can say objectively, if you agree with this line of thinking that is, uh, that they can go into those games and not be as predictable as the Brown era Obviously, with Don Brown, it was a ton of blitzing, it was a ton of man coverage, it was actually just a ton of no safeties back there to help in man coverage, and then you have McDonald, who is more of a 3-4 principled guy, and then he's mixing a lot of zone coverages in, there's still quite a bit of blitzing going on, but it's from different gaps, and then uh, pre-snap, these guys are moving around and trying to confuse the opposing offense. To They don't even really know who's coming, who's going, who's dropping back, all that type of stuff. So do you think that can potentially, on top of the talent threshold on that side of the ball, do you think that construct can give them a better shot against the best teams on their schedule?
0: Absolutely, because it's not it's not so predictable. Uh I could tell you, Don, everybody could tell you, Don Brown, all right, what is he going to come out with? Well, it's going to be man coverage. It's going to be single high safety. They're going to leave all their quarters on an island. If they're having a down year where maybe your defensive backs are young or maybe you lost a bunch to graduation or the draft, you're going to have a rough time. You can't leave those kids out there to just get manhandled and, you know, You go back to 2018 against Ohio State, and it's, okay, we have – because here's the thing about Don Brown's scheme. It all relies on how great your pass rush is. That 2018 game against Ohio State on the road in the shoe, you had Chase Winovich banged up. You had Rashawn Gary banged up. And the offensive line won the game for Ohio State. I'm very firm in that opinion. They didn't let anybody get to the quarterback, and it was just crossing-route field day for them. And that became, if you saw that, and you go, okay, this is how we beat Don Brown. So now everyone watches film on that, and the scheme becomes: all right, we're just going to pick them apart down the field. We're not going to let them get to the quarterback. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to get tired. Their safeties are going to be on an island, and it's we're just it's going to be a scoring palooza. And that's what it is. Now you have to have a couple different game plans. You have to be able to adjust against this defense. Because they're going to adjust against you. Maybe you didn't see the best adjustments last week. But moving forward, there isn't a team where I look on the schedule anymore like I did at the beginning of the season and go, well, not going to compete in that game. That one's definitely a loss. It's, it's completely different. And the team's playing as a unit. And we saw, again, last week where the chips are down. And they don't flinch. They come up with a stop. Nobody's hanging their heads. Nobody's out of it. I think they were losing at the time if they were playing Thunderstruck and the lights went out in Lincoln. And they all took that juice, uh, to borrow a quote from them, and ran with it. And they were pumped up and ready to play. It's a different feel
1: for this defense. And I don't think there's anybody they can't compete with. Now, now, no matter how good the defense does in the days to come, the offense in their own right has to produce, and they produced at a higher clip this season. The rushing attack with Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum continues to impress midway through this year, one of the best rushing duos in all of college football. And because of those two, because of, I'll give credit uh, to running backs coach Mike Hart, I'll give credit to offensive lines coach Sharon Moore, for uh, getting his line all juiced up and then Hart getting his guys prepared. Uh, My point is the offensive line, the rushing attack, it appears to me that they're going to continue to keep opposing defenses honest and committed to stopping the run. And I also believe the talent of the running backs in the line are it, they're going to at least get their licks in, even against good running defenses on average. And then it boils down to Michigan's passing game and can they hit their shots? Because I think Michigan's passing game is going to continue to get their, their opportunities based upon opposing defenses keen in on that running game. So basically, this offense what are your thoughts on the offense through six games? and do you think they can actually be balanced enough to have, you know, a, a combination one-two punch to really knock out some of these good teams ahead?
0: Uh, here's what I'll say. I, I have. I'm glad, big shout-out to Sharon Moore. You know, losing Ed Warner, uh, one of the thoughts you think is like, oh, Sharon Moore, is he going to be the guy to really lead this offensive line? And he's done a great job. I think when you have the guy who's the co-offensive coordinator, and he's, he knows exactly what he wants his offensive line to be. And he's going to tell you exactly what he needs out of you. So I, I think every guy up front's done their job. And man, I'm really impressed by it. They have a great offensive line. I mean, I, I'm very biased as a former offensive lineman myself. Uh, love those guys up front, what they've been able to do. Uh, the second part of your question can they be that one two punch? Here's what I'll say. If I'm an opposing defensive coordinator, my thought will be, going into each game, is if we lose, they're going to have to throw the ball to beat us. Um, If you let Hassan Askins and Blake Corham just run you over, the game's over. You're you're not walking away with a win unless you force some big turnovers and maybe somebody has an off day. It's going to take a lot of luck to get through that. But if I'm that opposing uh, defensive coordinator – you I'm stacking the box I'm not letting you beat me with your legs yeah I you cannot let that happen if you're gonna if you're gonna beat me it's gonna be Kate is gonna have the best game of his season and he's just gonna be launching it all over the field um you look at some offensive players that are gonna need to have a big second half Cornelius Johnson's gonna need to have a big second half. Uh, Roman Wilson, I don't think we know what his status is going to be moving forward yet, but if he's healthy and ready to go, uh, you need him to step up in a big way and those receivers uh, really to fall out. Um, so do I think they can do it? Yeah, because if you get enough, if they're showing you your hand, like I just said, and they're stacking the box a lot and taking away that run, you've seen you've seen the receivers get open. Uh, you said it best. There were a couple throws where you take shots downfield and you miss them by a couple inches. And that's something you just keep doing in practice. You keep keep practicing those seam routes up the middle and trying to get that deep ball connection. Because if you can get that, I think that's the missing link for this Michigan offense right now. If you get that working, there's not a team you can't compete with.
1: Okay, Frank, one player that you think will have a great second half.
0: That's a good one.
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, you my I'm gonna give you mine first what, while you're thinking, yeah. and then let's see if you agree. I think Dalen Baldwin. I'm going with Dalen Baldwin. He already has a couple long touchdowns. Uh, J. G. McCarthy hit him on. Seems like a legitimate deep threat and continues to get open. And then he had six receptions against Nebraska. He was targeted a bunch around 14 times. So for me, I think Baldwin could be a difference maker.
0: Forgot about Baldwin. You know, a guy you see him on your TV a lot more often than you used to.
1: Yeah, um, that's a good pick. How about I, I you? Think you could, I think you could pick any
0: receiver and that have have him be your guy. Cornelius Johnson. You could have Roman Wilson, Dalen Baldwin. Hell, you could pick Eric All and work the tight ends a little bit more. Anybody that's going to get open and make Cade McNamara's job that much easier is a great pick. I'd probably go Roman Wilson if he's healthy. My backup, probably Dalen Baldwin. That's a good pick. Uh, From the defensive side of things, you're looking at your defensive backs. You're looking at, I think a lot of people, especially fans, are looking to that Ohio State game and looking at at that receiving core and just kind of shaking a little bit and knowing that's going to be a huge test for these defensive backs. You're looking at Daxon Hill to step up, Brad Hawkins to step up. Everybody back there is going to have to step up. Those are the guys who you really need to progress through this season and get better and better for that final showdown.
1: I agree. Uh, it, it's hard to narrow it down to one, right? That's not how football it works. It's a unit thing. Yeah, yeah, you need 11. You need 11 out there. So yeah th- this isn't yeah this isn't elementary school. What's your favorite color? <laughs> it's right. it, it, it definitely way more uh, moving parts as they say. and I couldn't agree more what you just said about just the Michigan secondary as a whole, you know, they all need to be in sync and Daxton Hill. he's played pretty well overall. Uh, Brad Hawkins. Jim on green he made some good plays gave up some but i love the way that guy tackles as a cornerback some yep. serious thump as a cornerback the way he's willing to tackle and fly downhill and that's just a theme on that defense they love to fly downhill so Frank right right now Michigan six and0 how do you how do you feel heading into that second half not predicting the wins and losses but just how do, how do you feel? What's your confidence level right now?
0: I feel I feel much better than I did at the start of the season.
1: <laughs> well I said. I
0: Trevor, after watching last year, and I know last year was such a fluke season, but after watching last year, you were looking at some of these games going, God, am I just going to be sitting up in the press box just shaking my head going, all right, let's watch that clock run out the game. You know, the defense is just getting picked apart or the offense isn't clicking and maybe just watch some brutal football. We've been treated to some good football up at Michigan Stadium and on the road. Uh, two good games back-to-back against Wisconsin and Nebraska where they needed to step up. I mean, God, let's think they haven't won in Madison's, Madison since 2001. You come away with that win. Uh, hope, man. I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, Penn State, obviously, some troubles, which their quarterback, Sean Clifford, had to leave the game against Iowa not sure what his status is yet so that's a big question mark circled around november 13th i can tell you it's it's on the road i if i had to bet money it's going to be a night game so be prepared for that another hostile environment october 30th everybody in the state of michigan has circled on their schedule against michigan state
1: what do you Um, think you think big noon kickoff for that or another night game what do you think right now
0: night games tough Any say of it at home, they are not picking a night game just due to safety concerns with people tailgating all day. But that's at Michigan. I'm not sure what their policy, if they have any, is in East Lansing. From a fan perspective, somebody from the outside looking in that doesn't have to worry about these things, I want a night game in East Lansing. I think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, as a media member, am I going to be happy about driving home late at night?
1: Hell no. No,
0: no. it's going to be a late work night and I think I've got to work the next morning. But I mean, I, I think it's, it's set up for Fox. If they can have a night game, that that's what you want. Honestly.
1: Yeah. Well, Hey, you heard it here first from Frank, but just kidding. But Hey, Frank, could you tell all the folks where they can follow you on Twitter?
0: Yeah, you can follow me at Frank seventy seven. You can always hit me up with questions, topics. You can call me an idiot if you want. I'll probably always respond.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. And what do you? Yeah, just tell the folks, Frank. What's your what's your weekends like? What what's your uh, what's your daily grind like?
0: Yeah, not much of a grind. My grind is I get to watch football. That's that's. I love it. I love it. That's my grind, man. I get to watch Michigan on Saturdays. Uh, Work for the Lions right now for uh, in-game presentations, stuff you see on the jumbotron. Those are my Sundays. Uh, A guy who's really glued to football uh, and you know keep tabs on everybody and everything. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, Frank just gave the secret away, folks. Like sometimes we'll say you know grind, and sometimes it is work. But uh, especially
0: like I said, with those night games, you know those. Those can be
1: rough days. The, the night games are rough. Uh, they're very rough. Uh, don't, don't We don't get much sleep. But besides that, i uh, got a couple of quick stories to echo Frank's point. Earlier this year, I was going up to the press box, and a couple of fans needed to get to the fan level. So they're in the press box with me. I have my credentials on and stuff. And uh, they said, you must not be going where we're going. You look uh, official. And I said, uh, for, uh, uh I said, well, I feel fortunate enough and official enough to be fortunate. And then uh, former Michigan writer, Detroit Free Press guy, been everywhere, you know him, Frank, uh, Steve Kornacki. And uh, I met Steve about five years, six years ago, and I just told him, I've read him through the years, and just I, I always thought he was a really great storyteller. And Steve, he's in his mid-60s now, And he gave me some great advice. He held up his laptop, real appreciative to me, and just said, Trevor, and and he wiggled his laptop, and he said, if you can ever go around the United States and you get to work from this, you got a great life. And uh, that's the life me and Frank are living, and we're very fortunate. And we're very fortunate that you all listen to this podcast, and I just want to thank Frank once again. So thanks for being on, Frank. Thanks for taking the time out of a weekday to talk some Michigan football. And I'll be seeing you up in the press box before long when Michigan takes on Northwestern.
0: Trevor, anytime, place. you hey. have my number.